Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cazzini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Elin Pei, Career Coach and Director of Product Marketing at Teachable. Elin and I chatted earlier this year about how anyone can break into product marketing, even without experience. So it's great to have her back on to share her thoughts on a closely related and important topic. At Teachable, Elin and her team help to build products that transform experience and know-how into thriving businesses. Teachable is the go-to platform for creators and entrepreneurs to build online courses and coaching products that reach students around the world. During our chat, Elin shares her thoughts and recommendations on how to navigate the product marketing job market during the current economic downturn. She provides some really practical tips on how to assess your current situation, evaluate your next opportunity, and how to go about seeking it out. For anyone thinking or worrying about their next move, this is a must listen. Before I get into the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features firsthand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that'll propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function and isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. That's pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. Hey, Elin, how's it going? I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here again. (laughs) Yeah, super excited to have you back on. For anybody who may have just started listening to the podcast, uh, this is the second time I've had a a guest come back on for another conversation. Elin was actually a guest on episode 50, during which we chatted about what it's like to break into product marketing with no product marketing experience. So a really valuable episode, a really great listen. So uh, if you're interested in that, can't recommend it enough. Like I said, episode 50. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what's going on today. And before we get into today's very important topic, I just wanted to ask you what you've been up to since we last spoke earlier this year. Yeah, thank you so much for asking that, Mark. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a really busy year. Um, as you know, um, I've been focusing um, quite a bit of my time on coaching and getting people into product marketing, and that's been really fulfilling and exciting. So I'm really excited to be, have been able to help more people do that. Uh, and also last time we chatted, I was like only two months into my job at Teachable, and now... Uh, almost a year in, I was really fortunate to be able to build a team uh, this uh, this year, you know, despite all the stuff that's happening in the, uh, in the industry, right? So, so of course, uh, we're going to discuss more about it later. But yeah, just really fortunate to be growing my team and also delivering value for the company. Um, and and of course, spending a lot of time with my kid. So I have a uh, my I have now a toddler, you know, I guess this is the that's obviously the most significant thing that has happened. <laughs> so she definitely keeps me busy. Yes, as a parent of a toddler myself, I know exactly how busy they can make you. So yeah, that's exciting to hear uh, on all fronts, it seems like. So congrats there. Um, And and again, before we get into today's topic, which I guess is is closely related to this question in a way, just curious, since you've built up the team, um, what 
have some of the biggest learnings been? Um, any interesting observations or lessons in that short time since building out a team for the first time? Wow, that's a really great question. Um, I think the number one thing to remember when building on any team is to really first map it out in your own head. Why are you even trying to expand your team, right? Like, you know, any new manager or managers to start with wants to grow their headcount, right? To deliver more value. But I think it's almost like you need to question yourself, like, do I even need that headcount? And if I have that headcount, what is the additional value they're going to bring, right? That can't do right now. Um, it's because it's not just about bringing some value, right? Like that, any additional headcount is about bringing outsized value, right? And that cannot be done by software, right? Or hiring a contractor or something else. So I think it's to be absolutely clear and question that before you bring somebody on, because when you do, you're going to hire the person with the exact profile that you need, and you're also going to set them up for success, right? I see a lot of people bringing on or hiring people only to question or, you know, have their definitions or, or responsibility change, right, later. So that's not really helpful for anyone. So I think because we have like a, I guess a prudent way of hiring a teachable, we, we make that really, really, really rigorous, rigorous thing, right? We have to think about it before we make any additional hire that actually helped to hire the best people for the role. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. No, I think that's fantastic. And, and, you know, if I can use a bit of an analogy here, I think in the same way that a product manager and product marketing manager would approach their product and identify gaps in what the product does today and really focus on the ones that would drive the most value either for the business or the customer. I think a similar lens should be applied as you suggested to building your team, right? Like what is that? And I like that phrase outsized value that a new hire is going to bring to the table. And you're right, you know, especially right now, given the way a lot of companies are looking at how they're evaluating their own headcount, you need to take a critical look at what's going to bring that outside value. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that's great perspective, especially, you know, as some teams are, despite what's going on, looking to grow, it's important to have that frame of reference in mind. So thanks you, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's get into the topic today. And it's an interesting one and, and, and one that I know I'm sure hits close to home for a lot of people. Um, again, just given what's going on uh, across the world and the economy in general and, and a number of different countries. And that's, you know, being a product marketer at a time of economic uncertainty, um, you know, depending on your perspectives, you might think that as of right now, we're already in a recession, if not closely uh, going to be entering one soon. Um, there is a lot of uncertainty uh, in a lot of different places, especially in the employment area. So, you know, I wanted to you know, ask you with new rounds of layoffs being announced, what seems like almost weekly, um, you know, you had mentioned in our pre-chat that you've had conversations with a number of job seekers and leaders in the space about the state of things. And I'm wondering if you'd be able to share your viewpoint on where things stand today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you for asking that question. Um, I think, first of all, I, I do want to acknowledge, right, that this is happening. There is no denying there are layoffs and hiring freezes that are happening in the tech industry. I think I just read yesterday, it's like this year so far, there's been like 40,000 layoffs, right, just in the tech industry. Um, so so I want to acknowledge that fact. It's happening. However, I think it's important to, um, to point out a couple of things, right, to keep things in perspective. Um, number one is to really understand, right, what are, what are the sort of the reasons behind these layoffs and why they're happening right now. And if you think back to sort of a couple of years ago, I guess, um, you know, when COVID was happening, right, um, 
um, there, obviously there were some labels at that point, <laughs> we can, a lot of companies are not hiring, but right. Um, a lot of companies also benefited significantly from the COVID bump, right? Certainly within the ed tech industry that where my company's in, right? We, we, we are one of the ones that were fortunate to benefit from that significantly. So, um, and also there are some, uh, some companies that benefit from COVID, from the post-COVID, like right after when COVID was getting better, right? And, and so I think what I observed is earlier in the year and towards the end of COVID, there were companies doing like a lot of hiring, right? And, and so in some ways, they expanded their teams too quickly as a result of that. And now we sort of have a return to normal or, or sort of like the baseline. Um, I don't want to say that this does not mean that we don't have layoffs again. It's just like, if you're looking at the bomb brand, this is more like going back to that level. And this is almost the exact same sort of opinion that most leaders I've talked to share as well, um, that there is an overcorrection in the market, basically, to what is going on right now. Um, and I think the second point uh, that I really want to mention is that there are, like any news cycle, right? The, the layoffs and always dominate the headlines. And I do want to point out there are other companies that are hiring, um, right? Whether they've been growing steadily or just, you know, that's just been like their industry. Um, so as I've mentioned, my team has continued to expand this year. And actually a lot of my friends who are directors are hiring on their teams. So if you are looking for a job, please let me know once again, right? So, so I think it's just paying attention to the other aspects of this as well is that the job market is still healthy for product marketing. And I think I just did a quick LinkedIn search and there's still like thousands of job open, right? For product marketer hires. Um, yeah, that is a really long winded answer to your question. But I would say generally, I, I'm still optimistic about the product marketing market, right? Given where we are in the economy. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's an important perspective to share, especially given your closeness to it. Like you said, you're a, a hiring manager looking for, for product marketing managers. Um, you are fortunate enough to be able to speak to a number of different leaders, whether they be product marketing leaders or otherwise. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with, with me and with, with the listeners. And I think you're right. Uh, obviously, the news tends to focus, unfortunately, on the negative aspect of what's going on, just because it's what you know people tend to tune in to watch, which is an interesting thing to consider. But regardless, it is it is the, the state of things, and oftentimes it is the big companies that are doing these mass layoffs that get the headlines. But on the flip side, there are a lot of firms um, that are growing that will see those layoffs and sees identify that there's an opportunity that there's a lot of really talented people entering the job market. And it's a great opportunity to find these people who have years of experience training at these big tech firms that can bring a lot of value to maybe these smaller, medium-sized companies that are on the upswing. So I think you're right. And I think for anybody listening who, who finds themselves at the expense of a layoff, um, maybe it's an important time to consider your options outside of those big tech companies. Maybe there are companies on, again, the upswing that you could step into and provide a lot of leadership or fresh perspective or experience that, you know, like you said, at the beginning of the pandemic, those smaller companies wouldn't have been able to pursue you because you were, you know, had your sights set on the Googles or, you know, the big companies of the world. Um, so I, I think that's a, another way to frame kind of what's going on as well as an opportunity. 
Yeah, 100%. And I love the framing because I think it added another dimension to this, right? It, it's not so much like suddenly all these jobs are lost. It's more like they've almost sort of been shifted, right? To another way, to, to different types of companies. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to find where, where those opportunities are. Um, and yeah, yeah, like you said, with doing a quick search on LinkedIn, um, yeah, there's, there's tons of jobs out there. Um, and many of them for companies who, you know, you might not have heard of before, but with, you know, fresh talent coming in can, you know, eventually elevate themselves to a stage where they're able to, you know, actively attract top talent. So, um, yeah. So my next question here is just around this idea of obviously this economic uncertainty happening, and there's a lot of hesitancy amongst people who are already employed to exploring opportunities in new industries, fields, disciplines, you know, with many being grateful that they have a job, right? Like mm-hmm. they might have a passion for something like product marketing, but maybe they're in a different field, a different area of marketing. And they think to themselves, I should just be thankful for the job that I have. I'm not going to rock the boat and explore opportunities elsewhere. So I would ask you, you know, what would you say to those looking to pivot into product marketing specifically? Is now a good time, especially if they already have a good uh, a job? Yeah. So that's a really great question, Mark. And it's also the number one question I get from job seekers. I think before diving into the question to say, is it a good time to job search? Um, it's important to define what is job search to begin with, right? Or, or, or career transition for that matter, because it's not just about applying to roles or sending in resumes. There's actually a lot of work that can happen and need to happen before that. Um, and I think the number one step is really about understanding who you are and find out what are your values, right? What are your passions? And what are your strengths? And then understand why is it that you want to transition to begin with? What is it that your current role is actually not offering, right? And then use that time to basically uh, do some sort of uh, reflective exercises to understand yourself on those aspects and then map out what are the potential roles that's going to really bring more meaning into your life. And that you can do anytime, right? It doesn't matter whether it's uh, during recession or not. So I think do not put that on hold. Start analyzing all of those things about your today. Um, For instance, writing down a list of the past, of of your past experiences that has brought you the most fulfillment. Why did they bring in the most fulfillment? What specific skills did they allow you to use that led you to such fulfillment, right? And then figure out like, how can you create and map out a new career that's going to make sure that those things happen more often. And then I think the second part of this of job search is to really use your network to start sort of prototyping those potential new career paths, whether it be product marketing or potentially something else, right? And, and so this means networking. So networking is always going to serve you. Um, and I think, you know, in fact, I've gotten jobs offers earlier in my career just simply by reaching out to people on LinkedIn. And they were like, oh, wow, you ask great questions. Here's, <laughs> here's a potential role for you, right? So, you know, I, I think once you've identified these are potential paths and this is places you want to go, you can find people who are in those positions or in, in those positions already, right, on LinkedIn. And maybe even people who have transitioned right into the role you want, they were career switching themselves and really reach out to them in a thoughtful way. Ask for virtual coffee chats and information interviews and ask them, you know, like how, how, how is your day-to-day at your current job, right? What do you really like? What do you not like? And then that's going to allow you to understand, is this the role you want to go into and how you can make that thing happen 
So again, this step can be done without you having applied to any single role, right? And and they would serve you all, all the time because it's about building relationships. And I think once you've done that, you can then decide, is this a time to start your active job application process? And and it will, if you do decide that's the right time, then it's probably going to be much easier because you've already done the hard part. You've made connections. You've determined your why, right? And then linking that to your story now in your resume and everything is going to be so much more powerful. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying throughout, you know, whatever I've just described is that I do think that you should not put your dream on hold. <laughs> and um, by doing these things, it's going to ensure that you approach it in an intentional way. And this, you're going to help de-risk yourself and put your best foot forward. I think there's so much good advice in what you just said to take away from that. So I want to try and pinpoint on a couple of different things. One, I can't agree with you uh, enough about this idea of the power of networking. That was one of the biggest things that was ingrained in, I know in me, in my education and, and being fortunate enough to go to a business program. And, and I think a lot of times when you hear the word networking, you think, well, I don't want to go schmooze with strangers and, and generate these you know, fake conversations and feign interest with these people who may or may not be able to get me, uh, help me get a job. And I think that's an okay perspective to have. I would argue probably not the right one. And in fairness, that's, that's very much a perspective that I used to hold when I was in my very early <laughs> days of my career. So I am by no means immune to it, but I think it's important to keep in mind, you know, we are social beings. People like to talk about themselves. You know, again, I'll raise my hand to that uh, fact. Um, and, and people want to share their opinions and their you know, their thoughts and, and help others, I think most importantly. So I think if you approach networking from the perspective of, I'm not going to go and strike up a fake conversation with someone to try to help them get a job. And instead, kind of like what you said, like, what can I learn from this individual? And maybe something might come out of this, but also be comfortable with the idea that like it could turn into nothing. And that's okay. At least you've made that connection that could turn into something weeks, months, years down the road. So I think you just have to be fair about what you're going into, what your timelines are. And before I dig deeper in some of the other great insights you just shared, I want to ask you a follow-up question about networking specifically. And that is whether it's on LinkedIn or in the PMA, what advice would you have to someone who's looking to, you know, start that networking process, but not sure where to start, how to start, or, or what even to say, something as simple as what to say, what advice would you have there? Great question. And um, so first of all, I think I love what you just said. Um, and second of all, Regarding this piece, right, um, I actually get so many people reaching out to me all the time on LinkedIn asking for mentorship, you know, opportunities and whatnot. And I really want to reply back to everyone, but sometimes I just can't get to all of them, right? And also it's like, sometimes it's also hard for me to reply. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make when they do their outreach is being super general. I actually don't know what they're asking. I had somebody ask yesterday and they seemed like a really nice person. Um, and they asked, they were like, oh, I follow you on LinkedIn. I see you have great, written great content. Um, do you have 30 minutes where I pick your brain? I'm like, what does picking my brain mean? <laughs> like, like, can you be more specific? Like, what are you asking me to do for you? Right. So I think number one is to be super specific in your ask and make it easier, right? For anybody to just think, oh, okay, do I have the expertise to offer you? Is there anything I can share with you for that specific question that you have, right? Um, whether it is um, something like, um, I saw that you've made a move, right, two years ago into product marketing from a background in banking. And guess what? Uh, you know, I, I really resonated with this because I'm currently a banker and I'm trying to go into product marketing, right? And I maybe I would love to hear maybe some like your 
biggest mistake if you're willing to share with me and um and you know what you learned from that mis- mistake making that transition um and you know and and then offer up to say is there anything i can do for you right um that uh that can help you right so i think a couple of things being super specific in that ask and then number two find something like a common ground that you both share that's genuine and then last thing is always offer something. If you can't deliver value upfront, offer value in some other way, like pay it forward, pay it back or whatnot, right? I think that is going to make it like much more likely for somebody to reply back to you. I think that's such practical advice. And, you know, anybody listening, all those things that you just suggested, all three of them will definitely have an impact and it greatly increase your likelihood that you'll get a response. Um, if I can just quickly tack on one of the things that I know is my own personal pet peeves when people reach out to me for, for advice or, or to have a quick chat. And I'm always happy to do it uh, beyond, like you said, the lack of being specific is, is just not responding after I follow up. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't oh understand gosh. that. Like, why would you initiate a conversation and then hear back from the person and never reply? And I know I get it. Like people are busy. I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes people reach out and I fail to respond sometimes for days, a week or so. And that's just because I try to limit my time on LinkedIn and that's for LinkedIn specifically. Um, but yeah, like if someone's going to respond to you, like at least follow, like respond back. Yes. <laughs> like that just common, have their attention. common sense. Yeah. That's I just know. common courtesy. Right. Exactly. I fully agree. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then again, I wanted to go back to your answer to the original question that I asked um, and just highlight another great piece of advice and this idea of like writing down your accomplishments and the things that you've enjoyed not only for, like you said, identifying areas that bring you joy in your career or that you find fulfillment from, but also just to have like a running list of your accomplishments. That's one of the things that I've tried my best to stay on top of is like having a running list, whether it's a Google Doc or a Google Sheet or a note somewhere that says, these are all the things that I have accomplished. These are the big projects that I've pushed, whether it's a go-to-market, whether it's you know positioning and messaging framework, to have those specific examples. And they they become so incredibly important when prepping for interviews. Sometimes I've even had interviews in the past where I have that list up in front of me so I can say, oh, this question touches on this specific piece of uh, that I delivered or this project that I led. And, and just having that in front of you uh, saves you from that experience that I'm sure we've all had where an interview asks you a question. And you're like, oh crap, I know I've done this before, but I can't think of when I did it. Um, so that's another just piece of tactical advice that I recommend based on what you shared earlier. Love that. Yeah. I mean, you're, uh, I think you're going to be doing really well in interviews, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I, I really love that. And I think, uh, you know, what you just also cre- uh, had, a, I just had an idea from listening to you is that that same document can also be used, right? When you do have doubts, uh, when, when you are not feeling very confident, right? In what you're doing is going back and look at your list of accomplishments, because a lot of times, sometimes we get rejections, our days are not going well, and you get so much negative feedback, right? But it's important to remember, like, oh, I'm actually great. Look at all the things I've accomplished. So it's, it's your, <laughs> you know, that that's that's going to be super helpful. A hundred percent. And again, just the last thing I wanted to hit on before moving on to the next question, um, you know, as you're speaking about, you know, going through the list of fulfillment and, and seeing what opportunities exist in the market. I also don't think there's anything wrong with going to your manager and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm feeling as though I'm not being challenged or I'm not being fulfilled in what I'm doing day to day. And here are the things that, I, that I've done that I have found fulfillment in. And I would love to do more of that. And, you know, obviously that depends on your manager. Some managers would be great in those conversations. Others might not love that type of conversation and that's fair. So obviously I say this with the caution of make sure you know how your manager might react to a conversation like this. 
but then at least you can work with them. And, and I think most managers would appreciate that an, um, a member of the team is coming to them saying, Hey, I'm realizing that I'm not being fulfilled and I want your help to find that fulfillment because it reduces the risk of having to lose you as an employee, as a team member. And right now, the, despite all these layoffs, the job market is very tight. People don't want to lose good people to other opportunities at other companies. So have that conversation because you never know. There could be an internal opening that's you know on the horizon that the your manager is aware of that you might not know that could directly provide those types of opportunities or fulfillment that you're looking for. So I, again, just to reiterate, I think it very much depends on your manager and the relationship you have with them, but don't be afraid to to go to your manager with those concerns and seek opportunities internally as well. 100% agree. And this reminds me of a great book. If anybody wants to read and it, um, it's called uh, how to design your work life. And uh, it's actually a book, I think written by a Stanford professors who reused design thinking and applied it to your work life. And actually this is exactly what the recommend is. You know, some people that gave up too easily in the job, they're like, I'm unhappy. So I'm going to go somewhere else. And they create this pattern of like, I'm jumping from job to job, right? Seeking that theoretical happiness that doesn't exist. And when really they should have evaluated their current role and, and try to reframe, right? Uh, what's the challenges are in their current role and see if they can actually change it. Sometimes all it requires is communicating with your manager. So I'm really, really glad you, you brought that up. So yeah, great perspective. Well, thank you. Yeah, and that's a great book recommendation. I haven't read that one, but I'm always looking for good books to read. So I appreciate that. I'll, I'm going to take that away and add that to my list. Uh, all right. So yeah, on to the next question. So for those who are determined to break into product marketing, you know, despite how things might look, what advice would you share? Again, specific to getting into the product marketing space. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think following the advice that I laid out earlier about, you know, look, determining like your values, strengths, and passions, and then doing that uh, uh, networking and outreach is going to be super important. Um, some other things to consider is uh, also figuring out the right opportunities for you to target. Um, a lot of the people I speak with, right, they are, um, they think by applying to as many jobs as possible is the key to success. But as we all know in marketing, right, when you try to target everyone, you get no one basically. And that's the same thing applies to job search. So I think it's really important, especially right in any down economy or, or times of uncertainty to focus on industries and roles that aligns with your strengths and where you have a competitive advantage, right? Um, because it's not about just getting the into like uh, the interview process and maybe getting a callback, but you have to demonstrate in every round of the interview, you are the best candidate to hire, right? So how do you do that is by making sure that you are uniquely positioned to get the job. So targeting the right opportunities where maybe you have some experience using their product prior in your old jobs, right? Your power user of something that's going to be like super important. Um, the second thing I want to mention is that there is an alternative option you can also consider, um, especially for career switchers transitioning into your first PMM role. Um, and this is important to consider, especially in a down economy, is to consider maybe a stepping stone role, right? Um, so, you know, I generally don't really like to tell people to apply to multiple roles at once because you want to have focus, but sometimes you want to diversify, right? So you actually get the job that you want. Um, for instance, let's say you have a journalist background, right? And you're trying to move into product marketing. Um, that's, that's amazing. But maybe in this market, it is very challenging, right? To get a product marketing role. So one thing you could consider is potentially becoming a content marketer first, right? And stay in that role 
um, because your background as a journalist is going to be highly transferable to content marketing. And then you can move on to product marketing after you've gained some skills and worked with product marketers on the job. So I think considering this stepping stone is also really advantageous. In fact, like I will share that I got into product marketing because I got it through content marketing and landed my first ring tech in content marketing Autodesk. And that actually allowed me to interact with the product team and, and other product marketers. And then I was able to get a product marketing job very quickly after that. I think that's great advice. You know, I, I think in many conversations I've had in the course of, of hosting this podcast, one of the kind of recurring themes is people come into product marketing from a whole host of backgrounds, um, mm-hmm. whether it's sales, whether it's, you know, like you said, content marketing, other areas within marketing product. It's all about finding those back doors sometimes into the fields that you want. And, you know, obviously as people, we kind of want to get, especially, you know, today's generation with how easy things are to get access to, we kind of want to just immediately get to where we want to go without sometimes realizing that there needs to be those steps along the way. And sometimes those steps might feel like steps backwards. Um, and, you know, obviously depending on your own financial situation, sometimes you might not be able to afford that and that's okay. But you then also have to be realistic about what that means for your opportunities. If you can't afford to take a step back to then take a step forward, maybe two years, three years on the road, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to be aware of it, I think. Um, 100%. Yep. Right. So, um, and also, again, I think if you frame it as maybe, maybe framing it as a step back is not the, is not the right perspective. Uh, maybe that's my own personal bias being injected there. Um, but instead framing it as, as you said, as a stepping stone yeah. to, to that next path makes that transition a little bit more palatable, a little bit easier because you, while you're taking a different direction than you maybe initially, uh, originally intended, you still have that ultimate goal in the front of your mind and in that line of sight that you will hopefully someday get to. 100%. It's sort of like, instead of taking a step, you're taking 0.5 step, you know, towards right. that goal, basically something like that, or taking a step back instead of doing that. Right. So Exactly. Yeah. It's a half step forward instead of a step back to take two step forward. Right. Like you're, right. you're kind of just taking those, those half steps to get to where you want to be. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's an important way of, of, of how you frame it for sure. Um, awesome. So you know, I think it goes without saying that there are very few jobs that are truly recession proof. Um, so on that note, what advice can you give listeners looking to maybe insulate themselves against job security pressures that come with an impending recession? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and so I would say the first thing is always about developing your skills, right? So, and and I think I, I wrote about this at some point, it's about that the number one thing you can bring to a company is value, right? They pay you because you bring value to them. And how you can bring the most value is by having a lot of knowledge, right? So the more skills you can develop and the more knowledge you can gain, that's going to be super important. So use the time to do some learning, right? Taking courses, right? From PMA, right? Or learning from other ones like coaching and, and things like that, or from other leaders in industry. Um, it's going to be really important to help you upskill, uh, and then, then you can use those skills to add value to your company. And when you add those value that's important to them, you're going to be indispensable, right? And it's going to be less likely for people to lay you off, right? Or, or things like that. Um, I think the other thing is to, to remember when you're delivering value is also to have focus. Um, I see a lot of times um, when product marketers try to 
uh, when they first join a company or when they are new is they try to do everything. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to deliver the most value possible by doing every single aspect of product marketing. I'm going to be creating collateral. I'll set up the go-to-market process, right? I'm going to do a, a bunch of research. And so I think it's really about also saying no to things and figuring out how can you deliver you know, outsize the impact in the shortest way possible. And that's really on focusing on fewer things. So I think going through a prioritization exercise of all the work that you do and, and really looking at each thing that you do and, 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 and try to evaluate, are they directly contributing to the most important goal of the company at that time, right? That's going to be super important. And when you're directly contributing to goals, once again, that's how you stay valuable for the company. Um, I would say in addition to, in addition to, you know, adding value, right. And, and remain relevant to your company. You also want to explore other opportunities. I'm always of the view that you want to sort of have a pause on the market. It does not mean you go actively interview with 10 other companies. Right. But you know, if you, if a recruiter reaches out to you, right. Great. Develop that relationship. You can even say, you know, I'm not currently actively looking, but I would love to just have a chat and see what's out there and, and see what you're looking for. Right. And, and that's going to help you understand like, um, if you're marketable, right. And, and where you need to gain more skills in case something like a layoff happens, then you're immediately able to jump back into the job market because of those relationships you've already built with hiring managers and recruiters. So yeah, I think that's what I have to say with that, with that uh, question. I think that's such fantastic advice. And, you know, especially on that third point, um, you know, that's always been my uh, personal opinion too, is, you know, while I've, I've very rarely actively looked to leave an organization, I've never been one to turn away uh, a recruiter that has a good opportunity. Um, you know, definitely not going to have a conversation with everybody that comes my way. Um, but if, if the opportunity is there and I think it's something that's worth um, exploring further, again, even if I'm not actively looking, there's no harm in having the conversation. I think oftentimes people hear that or they see others hear that and they think like, well, that's, you know, you're being disloyal to, to your current employer. And, and I would argue if anything, what we've seen from all these layoffs is that, the loyalty has to work both ways, right? So um, not that you should, again, just to your point, like just apply all the time to different opportunities and find the one or, or, or say yes to the one that, um, um, you know, immediately comes up. But it's important to have, a, a, like you said, a pulse on the market. And sometimes that does involve talking to recruiters. And I would argue, I don't think personally there's anything wrong with that. Um, so yeah, and the other thing that I'll say too uh, on your second point, there's, uh, again, on the theme of book recommendations, there's a book so good, they can't ignore you. Um, mm. I remember reading that earlier on in my, um, career. And I think it might've actually been during my MBA. Um, but the, the idea of like, you know, you really want to focus on the skills that are rare and, and valuable that others, uh, when, uh, applying to opportunities might not necessarily be able to bring to the table as opposed to just the idea of like being passionate about something, right? I think passion is good to demonstrate because it shows that you're serious about, the opportunity, the field, um, the industry, whatever that might be, but you need to back that passion up with skills. Um, so I can't recommend that book enough. And I think that directly ties back into your first point. Um, you know, speaking from experience, I worked at uh, the university that I studied at shortly after I graduated back in 2011. And so this was, you know, a little ways out from the, um, financial crisis in uh, 2007, 2008, but I think the economy was still very much feeling the effects of it. And I remember asking people who worked at the university during that time from a recruiting perspective and said, Hey, like, was it hard to find people who wanted to study 
after an economic downturn? And they said, no, it's actually the opposite. They said that they find when the economy, you know, heads towards a recession or, or, you know, takes a real downturn, that that's when people take a critical look at their careers. And they say like, maybe this is the right time for me to go back to school or, you know, take an online course or seek out coaching, as you suggested, to level myself up so that I am ready for that next step. Or if in the event I find myself unemployed, I at least have these, again, valuable skills that are, you know, rare to, to then lean on when exploring other opportunities. So that's another thing too, is just whether it's again, at a university, at a college, uh, the PMA, uh, a coach, I think it's always important to keep that um, development, especially in a downturn uh, front and front of mind. I couldn't agree with that more. And actually, in fact, you know, um, I'm very close with a lot of other coaches or, and the coaching industry as a whole. And generally, people do tend to actually seek out coaches a bit more during the recession time because they're asking themselves those questions. So fully agree with you there. Right on. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately enough, we happen to be chatting with a very talented coach right now. So for anybody oh. listening who's who's seeking out coaching, um, obviously I'm sure Elin is a very busy coach, but um, I'm sure there's always opportunities to, to work with her closely if, if you're seeking that out. Absolutely. Please feel free to reach out to me any moment. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, Elin, this has been great. I think, you know, you and I, I'm sure could should talk about this topic until the cows come home, but I do know I got to let you go. So I'll ask you our final question. And it's obviously, you know, having you um, on the show only a couple months ago, I'll ask you something different than what I would normally ask. And this was a little bit more topical. What advice would you give to product marketers who may find themselves caught up in a round of playoffs? Yeah, that's a really great question. And it's a timely one. It's also a personal one because, you know, while I've been fortunate, I haven't been laid off from any of my jobs. Um, a, a lot of people from my previous company were laid off. I think, in fact, 70% of my previous team were laid off uh, in the beginning of COVID. And it's actually what prompted me to sort of become a coach because I actually helped my coworkers and, you know, my friends, right, uh, getting jobs and, and interviewing. So it, it's definitely something that I, I, um, I feel close to my heart. Um, but onto the main point, right? So if you are in the situation of having been laid off, um, the first thing to do, actually, uh, in my opinion, and having worked with people in the situation is to take some time off and really reset your mind, right? Um, because it's, you know, obviously an AOF is not your fault, but humans generally tend to turn to internalize things, right? And maybe like, you know, self-blame or everything and layoff is no different. So take the time you need to actually process it and do things that, actually are going to be nurturing or nourishing for you so that you can reset your mind. And once you have reset your mind uh, a little bit and feel like sort of um, more sort of confident, it's time to reframe the layoff as potentially an opportunity, right? So similar to what we discussed earlier, right? About just in general, like this whole situation and, um, you know, maybe changing a job, right, is an opportunity for you to find something even better. So it's time to evaluate, right, uh, your past experiences and say, okay, well, how can I make the next experience even better, right? Turn it into a blessing, right? Um, and then do similar exercises suggested to explore your strength, right, what you're passionate about and things like that. And then I do think it's important to also put it out uh, into your network to say you are looking and you're open for new opportunities. I think, you know, we all see a lot of those posts on LinkedIn. And I think that's great. People are open and sharing that they are looking for jobs. They've been affected and making 
again, specific asks to your network, right? To what kind of opportunities you're looking for, what connections are you hoping to make so that they can give you very specific um, help, right? To kind of link you to that next role. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) That's all I have to offer. No, I think that's great advice. And and one thing too, uh, just to tack on to that, I think it's important I can't stress enough the idea of taking some time away after something like that happens. You know, I've been very, very, and I will stress very lucky in my career not have to have been impacted um, by layoffs. Um, Cause I do think there is a huge element of, of luck to that. Um, but uh, I think it's important to take that time because I think if you immediately rush back into interviews or conversations with recruiters, I think sometimes if you are in a, in a bad space mentally, yes. that can come up uh, whether you intend it to or not in an interview and you don't want to feel like that past experience is somehow holding you back from putting your best foot forward for your next opportunity. So I can't agree with you more there. Um, and I think too, when you are exploring those new opportunities, I think that further reinforces the importance of asking very critical questions in the interview process about the state of the company you're currently exploring. Now, obviously a recruiter is not going to you know, tell you like, you know, run away or we're actually approaching layoffs in a month. They might not even know what that might look like, but asking critical (laughs) questions about, you know, what, what does the company's growth outlook look like? You know, I've even had people share that recruiters have told them what the company's um, burn rate is and what their runway looks like. And I think that's a level of transparency that a lot of job seekers are expecting from employers nowadays, because they don't want to be victim of multiple rounds of layoffs. Nobody wants to be, you know, uh, find themselves one layoff, let alone multiple. Uh, And I think again, like, if you do find yourself in a role, like hold your leaders, especially senior leaders accountable for decisions that they're making that could impact the broader org, right? Obviously in tech, we always talk about taking these big bets and big swings. And we've seen tech companies make these big growth bets that don't pan out. And ultimately who suffers at the end of the day, the frontline staff, the recent hires. Meanwhile, the people making those decisions are so insulated that they get to retain their job. So I I just think we as employees also need to not necessarily take accountability, but hold our leaders accountable to those decisions. And if you're in meetings where you're seeing these big bets being taken, raise your hand and say like, okay, but if this doesn't pan out, what does that mean for these teams or these people that we're bringing in? Are we going to be able to keep them around? And granted, you might not be invited to those conversations and that's, and that's fair. But if you are in those conversations, I think it's important to raise those concerns. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I I love that. And I think it's it's also pointing out two things, right? Like in order for you to be in the position, in the mindset of asking those kind of questions during the interview process, you need to be in a place where you're feeling confident, right? So that's another thing to point out is don't go into those uh, interviews right away because you're probably not in the right mindset because when you're laid off, some people, and a lot of people I talk to, they're sort of like in a state of desperation. It's like, I'll take any job, right? Do not take any job, right? You still have so much value you're going to bring to the right company. So sort of like force, do the, your due diligence on them, right? To make sure they're the right company. Um, and, and then understand their growth trajectory, their growth targets. Why are they even hiring for this position, right? And all of those is going to be super helpful. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Even just ask the question, like, why is this role being filled for now? Is it backfill, you know, for a position that's been around for a long time and they feel like the, you know, the team can't operate without it. I would argue a position like that's probably going to have a lot of security, especially if you perform, right. are they bringing on multiple people at one time and really investing heavily in, you know, the workforce, mm-hmm. but banking on maybe one or two things to go their way for that workforce to stick around <laughs> one, two, three years, that might be a red flag again. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think, again, 
people as we as job seekers or who might not necessarily be at the senior levels of an organization need to be more critical and ask those harder questions and you know be prepared that the recruiter might not be able to share that with you but at least having asked and if you get the answer you can just put yourself at some state of peace of mind uh, by having the answer 100% awesome well Elin this is great honestly every time we chat i feel like there's so many great takeaways for listeners um, about transitioning into product marketing how to think about their own careers more generally um so again there are a handful of episodes that I recommend to people to recommend to their friends who might not be product marketers. This is definitely one of them, especially if you know, they are entering um, the job market, looking for new opportunities, looking for a transition. So I just want to thank you again for sharing that advice because I think it's so valuable. And I definitely can see us having a conversation like this again, maybe next year, hopefully talking about things um, in the economy looking better <laughs> sooner rather than later. But I can definitely see you coming back on it and sharing some more words of wisdom. Oh, thank you so much for saying that, Mark. I have It's been an absolute joy chatting with you and you've added so much additional insight into this. So, you know, I'm always learning something new when I chat with you. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully the listeners are as well. Um, so yeah, on that note, I'll let you go. But before I do, I mean, and we mentioned it earlier, but if anyone is looking to, to reach out to you, uh, maybe to pick your brain, to, to have you on in a more formal coaching um, relationship, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the easiest way to do is just find me on LinkedIn. I have my website and everything there as well. And so just my name, Elian Pei, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Elin. I will let you go. And I'm sure, like I said, we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.